Hey, everybody. What a great show this is with Derek Thomas, the Chief Strategy Officer of Galway Holding, an insurance holding company that is Epic Brokers, GenCap, Paragon, and NAI. Derek is African-American leader in the space who has been championing diversity, equity, and inclusion for longer than most of us have really been thinking about it, paying attention to it. So if you're interested in hearing what Derek has to say about the work that he's done and, and what he thinks is important in terms of driving DBNI, stick around and listen to the show. Hi, and welcome everyone to another diversity, equity, and inclusion-focused episode of The Enlightened Asian, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Derek Thomas, the Chief Strategy Officer at Galway Holdings LP, a company that owns Epic Brokers, GenCap, Paragon, and MAI, a wealth management company. Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Jason. Good to see you, too. You know, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the past few years as we've brainstormed about opportunities in the insurance sector and, and the work we've done together. But I don't know that our audience has had the pleasure yet. So I was wondering if you would mind giving them just a quick introduction to who you are and what you do. Sure. Again, Derek Thomas. I've been in the insurance industry over 30 years. Started my career with the Chubb Group of Insurance Companies. I uh, worked for Aon Affinity for a number of years as a head of strategy and business development. I've worked for small brokerage firms, and I've also done a lot of consulting in the industry and helped to start a number of companies. I've been with Galway, if you will, for 10 years. I started as a chief strategy officer with Epic Insurance Brokers and Consultants and helped to grow that firm from, you know, when I joined 50 million in revenue, California only, to now a, a greater than, you know, billion dollar company, diversified intermediary between, you know, retail insurance, wholesale insurance, and now a new foray into wealth management. I really lead and drive strategy and innovation, working closely with our chairman, John Hahn, to include things like InsurTech, which is how we met each other around Broker Buddha and all the great things that Broker Buddha is doing in the marketplace, looking at overall digital strategy, data strategy, the build out of our own InsurTech strategy that's proprietary within our firm, and then a number of other initiatives around ESG will be advancing and continued focus as a leader around diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as continuing to grow the firm profitably. Woo! No small set of responsibilities, man. You, uh, you, got a lot, you got a lot on your plate. I get a chance to work with a lot of fantastic people. Uh, yeah. And that's how it gets done. It's all about execution. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you've got a great team. You guys have would you say growing from 50 million in California to how much now? How big is? Was, yeah, is we're a little, little over a billion dollars in revenue. So we have a very aggressive goal over the course of the next couple of years to, you know, get north of 1.6 to $2 billion in revenue. We're privately held and we've uh, had great partnership on the private equity side to include Carlisle, Oak Hill, and our kind of lead private equity partner, uh, Harvest. So we've been a growth machine but really with the focus on not just a roll-up. We're not a roll-up. We've integrated firms. We've expanded in, uh, you know, diversification of our portfolio. And it all starts with the you know, recruiting of great firms, recruiting of great people and teams, and then integrating them in and really leveraging and optimizing all of our assets and really just been a focus on great people, focus yeah, on I mean, serving clients. I mean, that, that's exactly what came to mind as you talked about the growth and the scale is that obviously you can't you can't do it by yourself. The people you have on the team are who do it, and the way in which you 
uh, bring those people together and support them. Crucial, obviously, the, the execution, which you were talking about. And not coincidentally, that's that's really the focus of, of this today's show and, and this series in general. So, you know, on the show, the plan is to connect with a diverse group of leaders in the space with conversations focused around diversity, equity, and inclusion and, and how critical they are. And so, you know, my first question for you is, sure. is it, you know, in an industry that has a, a ton of white male executives, right, what does it mean to be a black male leader in this space? Well, you know, that's a great question. I communicate to people all the time. Just imagine 99% of the meetings I'm in, in any given year, I am the only person that looks like me. That means I am the only representation of a unique perspective of being an African-American male in a not terribly diverse industry. And, and there is diversity in our industry. I think that it's segment-based diversity. You know, I think there's a lot of people of color in insurance companies. One of my challenges when I was at the, with the Chubb Group of Insurance Companies is, you know, I felt that a lot of people of color are typecast into certain segments of the business, whether it's claims, you know, or HR or loss control. But I remember in my days at Chubb, you know, there really was a push for diversification of underwriters and the ability to recruit people and get them excited about an industry that's not always the sexiest industry. People hear insurance, it's not like, wow, I went to school for that, unless they went to UGA or another great school around risk management. People find themselves in insurance. Well, people find themselves in jobs when they are connected with people they know for those opportunities. So if you knew people and had an opportunity to come into the industry, you came in, and it's a matter of, I'm looking to have a great career not necessarily thinking about, okay, what is going on around diversity in this particular company? And then beyond what I would call the underwriting side, the brokerage side. And I think there's even less diversity. There is less diversity on the brokerage side. A lot of times people that come into this industry, especially on the production side, brokerage side, sales side, you know, the early stage opportunities around who do you know? What are your contacts? You know, what country club do you belong to? You know, what is your network? And do you come from a community that is not an affluent community or where you have access to a large business network? That's something that has to be built out. And right. I think there's a lot of times it's the low hanging fruit of, you know, who was your dad? Were you in the industry? Where, and so what happens now is, you know, the majority of people that are recruited into those types of positions happen to be white males. I mean, we've grown our firm through organic growth and inorganic growth, but on the inorganic side or the M&A side, we buy firms. Well, who owns firms? You know, the majority of people that own insurance agencies and, and small brokerages in the United States are white males. So what happens is when you integrate those firms, you're also integrating the leaders. And so I know when John Hahn and I first met, you know, 11 years ago, I don't think we thought that, you know, we would have a large imbalance from a diversity standpoint, but because of how we grew, now all of a sudden you, you can find yourself, whether it's, you know, some of the major global players or even the folks that are in our, our tier of large privately held companies, there is this kind of ball that's already rolling. And so for me, as a Black leader, African-American leader, Black leader in our organization, I use the word purposeful. If you want to have diverse perspective, which I believe is very important, you have to be purposeful. You've got to recruit at multiple levels. You also have to have enough representation on the leadership side 
when you're trying to recruit seasoned, experienced people of color, they want a level of comfort knowing that there is support resources, whether they're black, white, Latino, or Asian, but people really want to see themselves reflected in an organization. And they want to know that an organization isn't about lip service. It's really about, we believe in the power of diversity, diverse perspectives, experiences. Our clients are diverse and becoming more and more diverse. And it really is just a matter of making sure that we have all the right people in the room that can help us with our clients and help us grow our business. But to get back to your specific question, it mm-hmm. can be a challenge. And, and it is really, and I always call it the questions never asked. A lot of times there's a, an assumption of background, an assumption of experience, or the feeling that you've got to walk into a room with a resume on your forehead because mm-hmm. everyone for some reason is questioning, why is he here? Has he earned a spot to be in this room? So it's a whole nother set of questions that I don't think are equal across the board. I see it happen with women. I see it happen with people of color. So my focus as a leader is to have a voice, um, to provide appropriate perspective, and to be purposeful around the continued diversification of our firm, as well as working with our clients in the communities of which we are, are located throughout the United States. Yeah, you know, when you talked about the M&A side of things and bringing these companies in, right, and, and you know, I, I think you say, I'm sure you didn't set out to have a, a world that was, or a company with people who, that was not diverse, right? Nobody nobody sets out to do that, but when you're That's going right. through this process, you're realizing that the companies you're acquiring, you know, if they're not diverse, you inherit all of that challenge and you have to inject that purpose even more so. And it feels like a huge opportunity, let's just say, to, to make an improvement in the yeah. space. And I think you're in an amazing position to do that. And I'm, I'm glad it's you in that position because I'm, you know, know, knowing you, I'm confident you're going to do it thoughtfully and mindfully. And, you know, when I hear you talk about the need to kind of prove why you're in the room, right? And that's just not something that a lot of white male executives ever have to do. It's just, it just feels unfair, right? It's like one of those things. It's like, man. Hey, listen, I've been a beneficiary, Jason, of having diverse mentors my entire career, you know, whether it was gay and lesbian you know, mentors when I was at Chubb, white male mentors at Chubb, African-American mentors at Chubb. I've been blessed in my career as an assertive person to lean into relationship building and and managing up throughout my career. So what I will tell you is, is even though the road has been challenging, you know, I have received a ton of support from a lot of leaders and my job is to pay it forward, right? That's how I look at things. So Not only do I coach, mentor, and develop people within our company, I coach, mentor, and develop people within the industry. That's part of the the pay it forward. But I also sponsor people within our organization, which means that once you were kind of tapped as a young, up-and-coming, whether it's person of color, woman, Caucasian male, whatever the situation is, you know, my job as a leader is to help them navigate and really identify what success means for them and help move them and advance them through the organization. It's not just about our our company. It really is about our industry. Our industry still has a lot of work to do. A lot of work has been done, but whether it is, you know, getting away from typecasting, getting to a point where people can have open and honest conversations about, you know, not just what they think, but how they feel, what their experience is, the environment that you are in every day is mission critical. And what we want is an environment that is open and inclusive of different ideas and thoughts, backgrounds and experiences that makes us better as an organization and and ultimately makes us better for our clients. I love that. And I'm glad you guys were thinking about that and doing that. 
one of the other questions I had for you was, you know, really, how does that come to light in Epic Brokers and Galways? How do those companies, and I don't, however you want to represent them, how do they think about sure. and approach diversity and inclusion at a at an organizational level? Yeah, I'm going to come back to the word purposeful. You know, okay. I mean, I, I've worked with some really great people in my career, whether it was at Aon or at Chubb or, you know, different organizations. And when I wasn't reporting to somebody, I was an entrepreneur like you and, you know, and really focused on some of the things that uh, that you're talking about. Let's speak specifically to Galway. Uh, Kevin Grady is our chief diversity officer. Uh, we named Kevin, you know, two years ago. He's got a, you know, incredible background. He's been in the industry. He's part of our impact group, but, you know, Kevin has come on board and put together benchmarks and strategies working with our head of HR. But again, this doesn't happen if it's not supported by the chairman and CEO of the company. So leadership is mission critical, right? If your chairman, CEO, male, female, whatever the situation may be, doesn't say this is important to us, it's easy for people to say it's not important to them. One. So we have that commitment. Two, leadership. Diversity and equity and inclusion is a leadership opportunity. It's not something that is a set-aside focus of like we do that second, third, or fourth. Our leaders should be thinking, when I'm interviewing for a position, do I have a diverse pool of candidates, right? What am I basing my decision on when I, you know, what is the criteria? Everyone should be qualified, but at the end of the day, if you want purposeful change, you have to make some decisions of, I'm going to fill these slots with people that have not historically been in these slots so that we can stop saying that, you know, we have never had a person in that role. It takes courage. It takes true leadership. So we are looking at things like, you know, different levels in our organization. What's the diverse representation? How are we recruiting? What is our recruiting process? We're involved in a number of initiatives. I sit on the national advisory board for a company called Youth About Business. The executive director's name is Sam Kirk. Kevin Brady, Kevin Grady brought that relationship to us. I said Brady. I'm a Tom Brady fan. I'm a Red Sox fan, Patriots fan, <laughs> Bruins fan. So, you know, that's that. my, Boston, my Boston background. I had to do that pitch. But Kevin Grady brought a great relationship of which we now have an expanding pool of young interns within our company. And that's one thing to say, we want to create a feeder system of educating young people about how incredible this industry can be. You know, you don't have to be a salesperson. You don't even have to be in service. You can be in technology. You can, but we want to educate young people of color of all around the opportunities in, within our organization. So we have a number of internships. We have a number of things that we do in terms of representing and participating in our local communities. So we have an initiative in Sacramento, in Marin, of which we are utilizing dollars through our Chairman's Foundation to help kids from underserved communities have scholarships for college, right? And for, wow. for, for private school that helps bridge them to college. So it's not just about the direct impact to our organization. It's what we're doing as an organization to be part of our local communities, to be good corporate citizens and help with that pipeline. Last point around that. We have to focus on multi-level recruiting. We have to create an environment and a culture where we become the employer of choice for talented people of color, women, and other diverse communities. And, you know, it starts with our website. It starts with our leadership team. When anybody does research on a firm, that's where they go. 
We have to have greater representation at leadership levels in our organization to proactively recruit other talented people in our industry, because we'll be waiting a long time for those interns to be in senior executive roles. So we really need to be recruiting from senior executive levels. We should say, hey, nothing against our, our brethren, at, you know, Aon, Lockton, Willis, Gallagher, but we want their best people. Black, white, Latino, right. Asian, LGBTQ, it does not matter. We have to become an employer of choice. And I think that by having a, a strong, purposeful focus, we will continue to diversify the different uh, portfolio companies under Galway Holdings. I love that you're doing it all levels because we were talking about at the beginning of the show, you know, the when people come in, they want to feel like they're, you know, with they're, they're surrounded by people that they're familiar with, that they're comfortable with, that they're not asking questions about, you know, why they're the only diverse person in the room. I mean, you, you've led the, the charge. I'm sure you're not the only diverse person now, but it sounds like you've, you've kind of battled and taken on that challenge in your role. And I think what you're doing is creating a world where future people coming in aren't going to feel that way, right? It, it's the goal is that they feel like they can fit right in, that they belong. Included. They feel included. Included. There's that word, right? There's that word. Um, That's right. You know, one of the our first episode, we had a executive coach for focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion do a session with me. And I learned a lot in that session. And she, you know, she talked a lot about data. The difference between diversity and inclusion. Diversity is about the metrics, right? You know, what is your right. what is your profile of, of employees look like? You know, what's your, you know, how many, how many people, how many women do you have in leadership? How many, you know. I mean, African Americans, how many Asians, how many Latinos? That's that's one thing. And then there's the inclusion side of things, which is where how do you make them feel? And so, are you guys? It sounds like you have a head of diversity who's who's tracking the metrics, keep like reporting yeah. on it, like communicating it. So our chief diversity officer works with our head of HR very closely, as well as the you know senior executives, really aligning you know our business strategies, but making sure that diversity is part of those strategies. Inclusion is the onboarding, it's the integration, it's the creating an environment where those people feel comfortable. And but the equity piece we sometimes skip over. You know, mm -hmm. the reality is, you know, in our industry, women are not always compensated at the level of men. People of color are not always compensated at the level of non-people of color, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the equity side of the house. And I'm not saying that there are people that are sitting out there necessarily, and maybe there are, maybe there aren't, who are going, I want to make sure that this guy makes more than that person because of my bias or my privilege or whatever the situation is. I think what happens over time is there's this perspective of value that becomes ingrained at a very, very early age in people's careers. And there is a hierarchy of perceived value, which translates to equity. And I think that the key, and, and people have been fighting for this year, is equitable pay. Same job, same roles and responsibilities. There really should not be any delineation in compensation, you know, based on anything other than experience, you know, value, impact, quality, right? I love that you, you brought that up because, to be honest, a lot of my conversations so far have really been around the diversity and the inclusion part, less about the equity. I think as an as an early stage company, we don't have the history of you know years and years of people being there and people maybe getting promoted but not getting you know paid as much because they were a person of color because they're a woman and, and some bias sort of ended up with a with a different level of equity. So I, it hasn't been as much of a challenge for me, but I'm glad you raised that because I'm sure in, in other companies and especially in, in larger companies where there's more history, 
that's something that needs that needs addressing. So, so that's, well, look, think about what happens if you don't pay attention to that, right? Yeah. You're a rock star. I mean, look at look at what has happened for the first time I can remember in my career. Maybe there was one other opportunity. We're in an employee market. We're not in an employer market, right? right. So people are listening now more so than they ever have. If they feel that they are being undervalued, underappreciated, or undercompensated, they are going to think about leaving. But money is not the only reason why people leave. So it's also not the only reason why people stay. So if you are not treating people the right way and you're not paying them appropriately, the chances of them leaving are very, very high. And what I would say on the other side is if you're not doing that, I want to find those people. I want those people (laughs) to join our firm. No, you're right. It's not one or the other. It's both, right? Like you need That's to be right. diverse. You need to be equitable in pay, and you need to be people included. Equitable in pay and equitable in opportunity. Think That's about right. that one, right? Your firm yeah. is going to grow. You're going to hire really great people. At some point in time, if you flash forward five years, you're going to have a larger executive team. If yeah. you don't start thinking about that executive team now, the chances are your executive team could morph, and you wake up and go, "What happened?" So my point around that equity is also in terms of, you know, opportunity and putting people in opportunities to succeed. And, I, and one last point on that, which is I, I often use the example, we can hire 10 Caucasian male producers and say, we've done great if, you know, seven of them do well and three of them shake out. So we're going to take right. a risk on 10. And, four, and, and again, we is not Galway or sure. Epic. I'm just speaking about the industry. Hypothetical. Yep. If we hire one African-American producer and he or she does not work out, it didn't work out. We tried it, right? right. Not, there is not, let's hire 10 and see how many are successful, especially when you're talking about you know, people that don't come in with a book of business and now you're making an investment in growth. We have to be willing to take risk and not look at risk in a hierarchy based upon race or gender. Risk should be based upon qualifications, characteristics, and tenacity, especially if you're in a sales position. So you sound, uh, you talk about risk like you work in the insurance space. So like I know, I can't help it. 30 <laughs> years, that'll happen. People like to talk about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. One of the things I don't hear enough people talking about is the value of diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion, right? People, oh, it's important, right? We want to we want to give back. We want to be responsible. We want to we want to help you know create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment. But I don't often hear people talking about the value of it as much, right? I mean, maybe you hear a little bit about employee retention. We just talked about which is which is certainly relevant, sure. and not just retention, but uh, attracting talent. But you know, in your experience, where have you seen the the effect of that on the business, right? Because I'm sure there's a bunch of executives out there saying, I don't want to do this, but like, you know, I'm worried it's going to hurt my business. What would you say to them? What's going to hurt? I mean, this goes back to inherent privilege and bias. Why would I even be thinking about that that way? Right? Like, here's a resume of a talented person who graduated from Rutgers University, right? Or you pick the school, Harvard University, it doesn't matter. Person comes out, they apply for a job, they come in and interview. If, if that's a talented person and they and we think based upon what we see on paper is a valuable potential employee, what should change based upon race or gender? Gender, nothing should. Uh-huh. That we now start to peel back the layers of why do people even think that you have to say 
What, what is the value of having a person like me? I'm smart. I'm experienced. I know people. I'm good at what I do. That's the value of having me in the room. From a pure diversity standpoint, and I'll just come back to the definition as you laid it out, it's I know for a fact that, you know, in my experiences in multiple companies over the years, I want talented people in the room. That's what I want. And people that bring different perspectives. You know, if you want to be a leader that just hires people that say yes all the time, you know, that's pretty easy to do. If you want someone that's going to come in and challenge perspectives, challenge, you know, historical perspectives, you know, look at how our diverse client base thinks, you know, that's why we have people of color. That's why we have women in the room. And we see that value every day. And then probably the most important thing, culture. Culture is one of the primary drivers of success of any organization. And so when we think about, you know, whether you send your kid to a school and you say, I want them to have diverse perspective and experience, or if you're recruiting to, you know, one of these top schools, why do you want a diverse population on campus? It's the dialogues in the classroom that are similar to the dialogues in the conference room and the dialogues in the boardroom. It's just better having that perspective. And for so long, you know, I, I'll never forget when I ran the Chubb Business School a number of years ago, I had a woman in, uh, in our program and we were talking about diversity and she was saying, you know, I don't think that we have to be purposeful about numbers. I don't think that we have to be purposeful ar- around these things. And I said, where'd you go to school? And she said, I went to Rutgers College. And I go, do you realize Rutgers College used to be an all-male school? So imagine if, you know, the Board of Regents or Rutgers University said, we're going to keep Rutgers College an all-male school. That would have denied you access, denied you opportunity, and here you are a successful executive. It could have changed the trajectory of your entire life not having access. And that's how I look at it in the in corporations as well. We are better cultures by having a more diverse, you know, population of employees that come together and now we're operating in a true reflection of the society I think we want to have. That in itself is the value. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that, right? So on the one hand, you've got like, hey, let's create a culture that that mimics reality and society, right? And and the world that we live in, the schools that we went to and and the communities that we live in, but also frankly, the market that we're serving, right? Absolutely, yes. (laughs) I mean, there is a, the people people that every company sells to are diverse, right? So how can you, serve your market effectively if you don't have constituents in the room who understand the market, right? And I think that's often overlooked. Look, our buyers in this industry are CFOs on the property and casualty side, CEOs, CEOs and HR folks on the EB side, and because of the cost of benefits, CFOs as well. They're becoming more and more diverse, right? right. We need to align with our clients and not only the people that we buy from, It could be the communities that they sell to. Look at the buying power of African-Americans and Latinos and Asian-Americans and the LGBTQ community. You know, when I was at Chubb, I'll never forget this. I'll never, ever forget this. Chubb did the first campaign marketing to gay and lesbian homeowners, right? High net worth individuals. It was a very simple ad that showed, I believe, like a blue car and a pink car and then two blue cars and two pink cars. That was controversial in the late 1990s. Look at the affluency of those communities. And imagine being in an underwriting company that is targeting a diverse population. 
and your brokers are focused on one community. That takes out a whole swath of potential clients. And it's the same thing on the business side. As the United States becomes, you know, continues to drive towards greater levels of equity, there are going to our buyers, our clients, you know, the, the, the communities we represent are becoming more and more diverse. That alignment, I think, is very, very important for strategic success. And really, I'll just come back to being a good corporate citizen, but being smart. You yeah. can figure out TAM. You can figure out populations. You're going to look and you have to be able to meet people where they are. I'm not right. saying that the only way an African-American is going to buy insurance is from another African-American. But what you want is the opportunity that if you're team selling, you have enough people in the room that someone's going to connect with somebody, whether it's what school you went to, what your favorite sports team is, what town you're from, or it could just be, I feel comfortable talking to you a little bit more comfortable than someone else. So those are just the things that I think we have to be mindful of. I love that. I love that. Incredible to hear. Derek, as you, as you know, the show is called The Enlightened Agent because yes. we like to share stories about amazing people who do amazing things. Whether or not you think so, I feel like you fit the category. I, I, consider, I, you appreciate that. I consider you one of the enlightened agents. Thank you very much, Jason. Of course, of course. Enlightenment is defined as a state of having knowledge or understanding. And right. so my, my last question for you is, is, what are some of the things that you've done or plan to do to improve uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the business or the industry? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, look, there's the, you know, I raised three people of color. You know, my kids, you know, are 32, 30, and 26. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, which was, you know, a very segregated area, but I was raised in a very diverse community. So diversity is something that has been part of my life, my entire life. You know, my mother chose to to raise us in areas where, you know, it was a, a melting pot, uh, if you will. So I, I speak to community because I think that's important. I'm going to end with community. But from a business standpoint, just to summarize, we are being purposeful around DEI, right? We are purposefully looking to diversify our leadership team. We are purposefully looking to diversify, you know, our business units across the country. We are focused on multi-level recruiting, as I stated, you know, whether it's acknowledging different communities throughout the course of the year and really making a statement as an organization that we are inclusive. So I think that that is very, very important. And then there's a lot on the community side that we're going to be advancing and launching around ESG and and the, the S in ESG. So, you know, things like how do we make an impact on local schools, you know, underserved communities? How do we get more kids, you know, out of tough environments through internships and and unique opportunities, you know, to help them prepare for college, to be successful in college? And then personally, beyond the community side, it is about coaching and mentoring. You know, I probably have 20 plus people between our company and outside of our company that I'm in touch with on a regular basis, listening helping, you know, being a, you know, a sounding board as they manage through some of the things I managed through in my career. And sometimes it's, you know, as I've always said, as a person who tries to be a good mentee, if you're a little further up the mountain than me, I have to check my ego and my pride and simply say, help me navigate. I have to, humility is mission critical. And so for me, I believe back to paying it forward, that that is my obligation and my responsibility. I've been in a, a 
and I've had an incredibly successful career. I've been a recipient of a lot of coaching and mentoring, and still to this day, I pay it forward. So when I think about impact, it starts with you, that man in the mirror and the decisions that you make every day to make a difference. And for me, that is important. And that's, I think, my job is to make sure that not only do I do it as an individual, that I help to advance that thought process within our organization. Back to your question around value, that's also part of the value other than all the business things I drive. You know, that's kind of the non-day job element of things that, you know, just is personally part of my mission. Yeah, I mean, my sincere hope is that I have the opportunity to amplify that. I mean, everything you shared today, I think, probably shared directly with your mentors or your mentees. And, you know, my whole the whole purpose of this series is to take the knowledge and the experience of people like yourself who are active and proactive and frankly not having just started that in the last year since, you know, since the George Floyd murder, but probably been doing this for most of their careers and start to, Absolutely. Start to really get you start to get that knowledge out there, right? So, you know, there's there's a lot of people who either haven't been leaders before or who have been leaders and haven't been as conscious of it, who just need content, they need education, they need perspective. And I think you have a lot to share in the space. So I really well, sincerely appreciate, appreciate that. that. Yeah, of course. So so this has been not surprising, a, an enlightening conversation. And um I really enjoyed having you on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before wrapping up? Yeah, I think we have to be able to have conversations just like this. And I really appreciate you. You know, I know you've had a lot of different topics on your podcast. This is an important one. You and I could do the same thing, talking about insure tech, talking about business. But but based upon what we're talking about today, you know, it's about exactly what we're doing, Jason. You know, I will tell you, this level of conversation doesn't happen every day. It just doesn't. So the ability for you to use this forum to provide a reflection of conversations that can happen with an African-American male and a Caucasian male talking about sensitive issues, it starts with respect. You know, one of the things that I try to do with the other members of the leadership team is I want them to know that if they want to have a conversation or seek first to understand, I have to be open to have that conversation. If everybody's afraid to have the conversation, we're talking around things. You know, it's 2022. There's enough challenges that we're dealing with that I still can't believe half the time, but we have to be able to have respectful, professional dialogue. And that's the beginning. So thank you for starting this conversation. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Yeah. Last year when we as a company started putting more attention to social justice and and DEI, the biggest, most significant realization was that we just have to elevate the topic. It just has to be That's a topic, right. period. So have the conversations. It's funny, last year, my my platform was Zoom backgrounds. I used to put up Zoom yeah. backgrounds for the causes. Right. That was probably my, my biggest platform. Since then, having started the podcast, I realized I had a new platform. And so That's right. the ability to publish, out, publish this out to the insurance community, it just felt like the right opportunity to take advantage of that and elevate the conversation and just let people know we're talking about it, encourage them to talk That's about right. it. And, you know, it's going to take time, but people are going to figure it out. And I think the impact is going to be significant. So, um, yeah. Listen, I am a hopeful person, right? Hope good. is not a strategy, but I am a hopeful person. We just need <laughs> more purpose, more purpose focused activities, efforts, and communication. So, yeah. appreciate that. And, um, yeah, no, Derek, thanks for coming on the show. And, of course, look seeing you in person soon. Look forward to seeing you. Take care. Hope your daughter's feeling better. Thanks, Take care man. Of All right, buddy.